yesterday <laughs> in the coronation service. Uh, you will, if you, if you watched it, you'll have seen that uh, the new king, King Charles, was given uh, lots of different gifts during the course of the service that all had uh, symbolic meaning. There, were, there was a scepter and there was a rod, there were spurs, uh, there was an orb, there was a crowns ultimately, all sorts of amazing things. But interestingly, the very first thing that he was given was the Bible. That was the first gift that he was given uh, was the Bible. I've already seen this morning uh, a meme on social media where uh, someone has replaced the Bible with a copy of Harry's book Spare. And it has. Uh, but anyway, yesterday he was given a copy of the Bible with these words. Uh, to keep your majesty ever mindful of the law and the gospel of God as the rule for the whole life and government of Christian princes. We present you with this book, the most valuable thing that this world affords. The most valuable thing that this world affords. Here is wisdom. This is the royal law. These are the lively oracles of God. What an extraordinary thing that a book is given to the monarch with those words. The most valuable thing that this world affords. These are the lively oracles. I love the language. The lively oracles of God. In other words, our God is a God who speaks. He's a God who speaks. And his word is living. They're lively oracles. It's a living book. It, it has weight. It has authority. And it's the most precious thing that the monarch is given. Because it, it undergirds. Everything that he should be about. It undergirds everything that his rule and reign should be about. So with that in mind, I thought this morning, really, I'm, I'm not going to say too much. I'm going to let the Bible do the talking. Because these are the lively oracles of God. So I'm just going to read some different passages that will reveal to us Jesus Christ, the King of Kings. And the Lord of Lords. And the question through all of it is, well, is he, is he my king? Is he my king? Is he your king? That's, you know, that's the question. You know, uh, we have no choice as to whether or not Charles is our king. It's, it's just his, his birthright. He has become our king. We've had no choice in it. There are many people who perhaps would choose not to have him as their king. We can choose whether or not Jesus Christ is our king. And that's the question for us this morning. Is, is Jesus our king of kings? So for some of these passages will be, most of them will be familiar to you. They're reminding us, many of us, of things that we already know. But these are the lively oracles of God. This is God's voice. So what do we read from scripture about Jesus, our, our king of kings? Well, let's start with this beautiful Christian poem, early Christian poem recorded in Paul's letters to the Philippians in chapter 2. He writes about Jesus Christ and says this. Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, 
even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That's who he is. And scripture says, the lively oracle of God says that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's the reality. Willingly or unwillingly, that's what will happen because that's who he is. Let's uh, wind the clock back a few hundred years uh, to the prophet Isaiah, who hundreds of years before Jesus speaks profoundly about Jesus, the King of Kings, about his life, about what he will do. Paul in Philippians reminds us that Jesus made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being found in human likeness. Well, hundreds of years before the prophet Isaiah wrote, About the forthcoming Jesus, he had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Now this Jesus, this King of Kings and Lord of Lords, made himself nothing, took on the very nature of a servant. He had no beauty or majesty in his physical appearance to attract us to him. And he gave up his life for us. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The reality is we've fallen short of God's glory, falling short of his standards. Uh, Jesus um, said of himself in Mark's gospel, uh, the verse from which the opening response of the coronation service yesterday was taken. uh, Jesus talking to his friends and disciples about uh, true leadership and true authority. He said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. In that opening response of the coronation service, uh, King Charles said, Um, In his name and following his example, I come not to be served, but to serve. And obviously he couldn't complete 
the verse. King Charles couldn't say, I'm going to give my life as a ransom for many. But he did say he would follow the example of Jesus, the King of Kings, the one who did give his life as a ransom for many, humbling to accept uh, that our lives needed a ransom paid for them, humbling to accept that we have sinned and fallen short of God's glory and we need a saviour and a redeemer. And humbling to realise that that was achieved through a man being condemned to death on a cross. About 100 years ago, a sermon was preached by a guy called Dr James Allen Francis. And in the sermon, he gave this sort of description of who Jesus was from a human perspective and how remarkable it is that such a person should have made such a difference in the world. This is what he, he wrote. He said, here is a man who was born in an obscure village, the child of a peasant woman. He grew up in another village. He worked in a carpenter shop until he was 30. Then for three years, he was an itinerant preacher. He never owned a home. He never wrote a book. He never held an office. He never had a family. He never went to college. He never put his foot inside a great city. He never travelled more than 200 miles from the place where he was born. He never did one of the things that usually accompany greatness. He had no credentials but himself. While still a young man, the tide of popular opinion turned against him. His friends ran away. One of them denied him. He was turned over to his enemies. He went through the mockery of a trial. He was nailed upon a cross between two thieves. While he was dying, his executioners gambled for the only piece of property he had on earth, his coat. When he was dead, he was laid in a borrowed grave through the pity of a friend. Twenty long centuries have come and gone. And today he remains the centrepiece of the human race and the leader of the column of progress. I am far within the mark when I say that all the armies that ever marched, all the navies that were ever built, all the parliaments that ever sat and all the kings that ever reigned put together have not affected the life of man upon this earth as powerfully as has that one solitary life. This is Jesus. This is our King of Kings. This is Jesus, the Lord of heaven and earth. Isaiah, earlier in his book, writes about this coming King. He writes about this Jesus, words that we read uh, at Christmas time. The promise that was given from Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 To us, a child is born, to us, a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Jesus is the King of Kings. Is he your King? He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. Jesus is king forever. Is he our king? 
is he your king? Wonderful counsellor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. The book of Daniel also gives us a vision of what our coming king would look like. Uh, Using the title, the son of man, the title that Jesus picked up and used for himself Daniel in a vision saw this. In my vision at night I looked and there before me was one like a son of man. Coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the ancient of days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory and sovereign power. All peoples, nations and men of every language worshipped him. Jesus is... King of kings, he's king of the world, of every nation under heaven. All people, nations and men of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. And his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. Jesus, the king of kings, a kingdom that will never be destroyed. Is he he our king? Have you chosen him to be your king? Because he is. The king of kings. Lastly, Paul writing to the church in Thessalonica. Writing of the day when Jesus would one day return. Yesterday in the coronation service we heard trumpets announce that a new king had been crowned. Well one day trumpets will sound again to welcome Jesus, the king of kings. Uh, Paul Believed it, hoped for it, longed for it. Wrote these words to those in the church at Thessalonica. Writes them to us. We believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Jesus is the king of kings. The only question for us, the only question for everyone who has ever lived is, is he our king? Will we choose him to be our king? This book, the lively oracle of God, says that one day every knee will bow and every tongue confess willingly or unwillingly. Will we, will we hear his words? Will we proclaim his good news to others? Will we Acknowledge him as our king of kings. I'm just going to play, um, keep the recording going, Alan, because I want this to be recorded onto the, onto the recording. But this is a, a prayer that some of you will have, um, uh, will have heard. But it's a lovely declaration of Jesus, our king of kings. He's a king of righteousness. He's a king of ages. He's a king 
for he's the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. Do you know him? He's the five strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the pride. He sympathizes and he saves. He heals the sick. He cleans the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges sinners. So he delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the aged. He rewards the diligent. And he beautifies the weak. Do you know him? Uh, I love he gets halfway through and he says, I can't describe him. <laughs> I, can't describe, I wish I could describe him to you. But, uh, but that's our king. That's our, that is our Jesus. And that is, that is truth. That is truth. And that's why we're here. And that's what we proclaim. And that's what we want to share. And um, let's just take a few moments to... Just respond in our own in our own hearts and in our own uh, in our own way. The question as we hear all of those things and as we as we hear the scriptures and the invitation is to acknowledge him as as our king. He is king, but is he our king? How will we choose him to be our king? This king who who gave up the glory of heaven. And humbled himself and became obedient to death. What extraordinary love. What extraordinary compassion. Uh, And he did it because he loves each one of us. Each one of us in this room this morning. And he invites us to come and welcome him as our King of Kings.
Jesus, thank you. Thank you. Would you 